Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 168 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. Uh, we've, we've called a bit of an impromptu podcast here because we weren't planning on, on doing anything pre-Spurs, but uh, we have because, as we all know, Everton have always got news coming out of them and, and it's uh, been quite negative over the last few days, uh, given that we've been we've been referred to this independent commission, independent panel by the Premier League, due to um, losses that we've made and us breaching financial fair play. Um, delighted to be joined by the Athletics, Greg O'Keefe, to, to speak to me and Lee about it today. Uh, and Greg, I'm going to come, come straight to yourself, if I can, first of all. This has come as, as somewhat of a, a surprise to the club, really, hasn't it, based on the assurances that were given to them not too long ago by the Premier League? Yeah, certainly. I'd first of all, just to say, and thanks for having me on, lads, big fan of the podcast. And it's a shame that it's, it's often in, like, when something's going wrong. But, uh, <laughs> as, you, as you said, really, in the build-up, Mike, that's, you know, all, all too frequently the case, unfortunately, isn't it, the last couple of seasons? Um, and it's, it's fair to say that this talk, Everyone connected with Everton by surprise. Not clearly, everyone's aware that Everton have been had issues with compliance with the Premier League's profit and sustainability slash financial fair play rules. It's it, it's been well chronicled how close they have in the sale to being in breach. But I think what's fundamentally shocked everyone and just left Everton a little bit um, kind of sideswiped was the fact that they thought that their efforts to you know kind of be extra transparent to build relationships with the Premier League internal relationships to to kind of go that extra mile to prove that they were trying f- to reach compliance and and that they believed that they had been you know even in the forthcoming set of accounts that you know they believed that you know, there's certainly when they were submitted they believed that they're in compliance because of things like the service Charleston something 
fundamentally has changed. Something on the Premier League's end, the tables have turned and they've decided to refer Everton. And I think that shot goes right up to the very top, really, at Goodison. As I heard it on Friday night, trying to assess, you know, in sort of the immediate aftermath of the news, just what had gone on. And I think that there wasn't panic at the top of Everton at that point. It wasn't like they were surprised, but it wasn't panic because if I understand that the club still believe that their case for not having breached the rules is strong. But as like a, an observer, not say neutral observer, because none of us are neutral when it comes to the Blues, but you would be cons- you'd have to be concerned that the Premier League, look, it could be a million and one political reasons why they've done what they've done, but you'd have to be concerned that they also must be confident that there's been a breach or why such a, a t- you know, a change in, in the way they've approached it. Exactly, exactly that. You know, something has got to change because, like you mentioned, the, the club have been in in conversation with the Premier League for the best part of eighteen months, two years. We've had to have from this again. This is only my understanding. Contract renewals have had to be signed off. Obviously, recruitments of players have had to be signed off. We mentioned the the sale of Richie Allison. That was that was at the back end of the the accounting period for twenty one twenty two, which is what the Premier League have, have raised the the issue with. So, with Everton being in such close close contact with the league that's where the element of surprise comes in and that's where like you say something has got to has, has got to have changed and and what that is you know we, we'd be surmised and we'd be guessing if we were to sort of say what what we thought it what we thought it was obviously it must stem from the accounts obviously going in there due to to be released publicly this week and um, so it's got to stem from something that the premier league have i've seen on on the accounts which they they're no longer no longer satisfied with. But do you think, Greg? Like, obviously, it was Burnley and Leeds who raised this this issue, this complaint, if you like, at the you know, back end of last season. Obviously, Leeds dropped a complaint based on the fact that they stayed in the Premier League, so they weren't then too bothered. It does sort of media coverage has, has mentioned this this ten month investigation on the back of that. Do you think it is solely on the back of just just Burnley having their complaint carry on, and and the Premier League have got to be seen to be doing something about it? Yeah, I mean that's you know such a, a question that cuts to the heart of it of it all. Like you know, what's prompted it? Um, I'd actually be surprised if it was still something that's happened at Burnley's persistence. You know, if if they've been repeatedly contacting the Premier League and pushing their case. Um, now I know I know sort of like executives of Burnley were quite you know sort of fiercely on the front foot about it last season, but. Fast forward to now, and, and they're without a doubt going to be back in the Premier League next season in robust shape, you'd imagine, if they can keep the manager and the squad they've got together and all that. So, um, that's not to say that they obviously didn't wouldn't claim they would rather have stayed in the Premier League and you know not suffered the, the financial hit of dropping out. But, um, I get the feeling it's not been a case of Burnley consistently still pushing it, as you rightly say, Leeds dropped their, their part of the complaints. I struggle to look beyond the pressure on the Premier League when you see Richard Masters sat in front of select committees being grilled on things like Newcastle's ownership. Obviously, he what he I don't think he went he spoke about it because he can't at this stage now. But Man City and ourselves, I think that there's probably a part of this which is the Premier League desperately trying to prove that it can self-govern unless. You know that they have that autonomy taken away from them by the government, which I think they would be 
absolute anathema to the Premier League. They, you know, that they wouldn't want to surrender any sort of independence, if you like, and and, and have to be overseen by a governmental body. So I suspect this might be part of their campaign to convince the government they don't need to be regulated. Is this like these parliament parliamentary hearings then? These are these are driven by what happened with the potential Super League developments, wasn't it now? Is that, yeah. is that right? Yeah. 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 So that's ironic that Everton were basically one of the most vocal against that and actually came out of it, you know, in a position of being like, you know, fair play, Everton was standing up for what the, the right thing here. And now potentially these hearings are now being uh, conducted with the Premier League. And now, ironically, now it's, you know, Everton are at the forefront of those swimming conversations. Mm, mm, it, exactly. I think that's it. You know, Everton kind of felt that that they did have a good reputation within the league. And obviously there was, you know, a little bit of, um, I, I think that's taken a hit as we, you know, on the wider sense, we talk about the, the way the club's managed, but I think that, that, that the, the sense that they'd been leniently dealt with by the Premier League had irked more clubs than just Burnley and Leeds, by the way, but obviously pushed them into complaining. And I, so I think Everton's sort of reputation, um, isn't what it was, even within the Premier League. Now, you know, Denise Barrett-Baxendale was was quite a popular figure and I think her stance against Super League um, amongst other CEOs was, was a, well, obviously not the ones who were trying to get it up and running, but, you know, the rest the rest was, was applauded. But then I think that they probably might take a different view of the club's overall ownership and um, and feel that Everton were... were um, we're kind of on course for, for something like this and that, you know, that it's it's about time because I think they'll probably look at it and, and from what I'm hearing and say that, you know, that Everton, it, although it's the scale of it is far, far different from what's happened with Man City, that, um, that the referral is right and, you know, whatever the consequences end up being, if Everton are judged to have breached the rules, you know, that they'll have, they'll have had coming. But, I think that's an important if, because like I say, the heart of this, and, and the difficulty is, and you mentioned earlier, Mike, as well, about the speculation, you know, and since Friday, we've seen understandable speculation, like, was it Deli Ali? Was, is it, was it his deal? Was it this? Was it that? Unfortunately, in absence of comments from, from anyone, you're always going to get that. Now, in this instance, I don't think it's a case of, you know, the club, the club recently have been guilty of not communicating very well at all, but there's really that, not that much they can say in this instance. And same goes to the Premier League in terms of, you know, they've outlined why they've referred Everton. And after that, it needs to be, you know, you have to, we will have to wait until the hearing um, because it could sort of impugn the sort of impartiality of that hearing. So it just leaves a huge void. And of course, adds another layer of that uncertainty, which, we're getting used to living in at the moment with Evertonians over the future of the club on the pitch in the Premier League and its ownership and investments, of course. I just I just can't help but think Everton are sort of being made an example of here. I know obviously City were the first ones to get obviously, you know, essentially in the media and, and, and criticize ahead of these hearings with the with the, with the government. But Everton are obviously an easier fish fish to catch here, aren't they, compared to City, which is obviously a lot more Mm. protracted it a lot more detail. Everton just seems to sort of focus on one season. Um, I just hope we're not being made an example of, you know what I mean? Because it is, like I said, uh, an easier sort of investigation to to run over. And I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I personally think, I don't know what your views are, 
we've had a chat about this, Mike, in the past, but I think, you know, FFP, if you want to call it that, I've been really vocal on this podcast about it, saying it was brought in initially to try and protect clubs from going insolvent, from going under. And I can understand the reasons behind that, especially with the money flooding into the game. But also, for me, the biggest thing about it, it seems to have sort of maintained the status quo in the, in the English Football League. It's like prevented competition, you know, from other teams rivaling the so-called top four, five or six or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, as a result, we see what we see now, which is basically the same teams winning the same trophies pretty much every year. You know what I mean? And I've always said in sport, competition is everything. You know, if we can enter into a league or into a season where five, six, seven teams can win the league, that's great. That's a great product. The fact that we, you know, realistically, it's only going to be one, two, maybe three teams now. And that's always been the case pretty much since the Premier League started. I just find it, it's just, I don't know, you can see why fans are becoming disillusioned with, with football in general, do you know what I mean? Because of that reason, because we're in it to try and win trophies and bar the odd anomalies of Wiggins, Leicesters and things like that, it's pretty much the same, the same teams every year, isn't it? Absolutely is, yeah. And, and, and you know, the wider debate about fair play will just rage on and on and on. And I think, like you said, a lot of people might have agreed with it in principle. But in practice, it's all it's going to maintain the status quo. In fact, it's, it's preventing the status quo and prevented clubs like Everton uh, and others from breaking into into that club, uh, especially timing wise. You know, probably came a little late for us, and and maybe depending on on your view of the owner, maybe it wasn't you know it wasn't the sort of the right type of um, of mega money, if you like, to be able to compete. But whatever way you look at it. Um, I don't think its current shape has, has been a positive thing for competition and for football fans. I think as well, you know, if you look at the trend at the moment, there does seem to be a push towards leagues trying to be, look like they're taking hints of um, financial foul, foul play seriously. So, obviously, in Serie A, they're clamping at the moment. There's, there's a huge investigation going on with Juventus. Some serious consequences for that in Spain and La Liga, you know the, the scrutiny over Barcelona and, and alleged payments to refereeing bodies is going to rumble and rumble on. So I think it's a trend across those big European leagues to try and prove that they're doing what they need to do to make the sport <clears throat> fairer, and just to avoid. I suppose it might even come back to the Super League to avoid an opportunity for upstart and new to say that they, you know. European football is, you know, it, it's corrupt, it's this, it's that, it's not fit for purpose. Let's have this new shiny Super League. Maybe this is the, the big leagues of Europe fighting back. Unfortunately, we've been caught in the crossfires. I think, I think obviously, the, the concern for many is that this is very much a test case, isn't it? Obviously, Manchester City at the other end of the scale in terms of the money that they bring in and, you know, there's a sense that around more sort of sponsorships amongst amongst other things and 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 uh, you know get getting the books looking even better than than they are and it's it's a way of circumnavigating and circumventing the, the rules so to speak whereas with Everton it, it's the other way where we're we're, we're spending more more than we than we're bringing in effectively and that's that's a concern amongst amongst us as fans really is okay well if worst case scenario Everton mm-hmm. are found guilty in this in this process What's the outcome? You know, the outcome are fine. I think I think a fine is not going to be 
there is not going to be what's it, what comes our way. I've got to be honest because they're going to, if, if we are guilty, they're going to look to be to be making a stand and and, and have some kind of, of uh, examples be set and say you know it's going to look more like a transfer ban potentially points deduction and that's a concern of those fans have got as well. Okay, you know ju- just say for argument's sake, you, you you bring a transfer ban in for example for twelve months, if that's brought in pre this transfer window and we've got to go into another season with this squad, then you're almost saying you're going to be fighting once again at the wrong end of the table because you because you can't improve it. So that that would be horrendous. Um, if you look at a points deduction, now other examples, Birmingham City, I think, in the Championship with a nine-point deduction, uh, which, which centred their ground. I think they were, uh, again, only my understanding, they were in, in conversation with the, with the league they signed a player which was basically uh, wasn't signed off by the league effectively and, and they, they breached any kind of agreement that they had and they were deducted nine points. Now, imagine Everton starting a season off with minus nine points. You know, that, that means you'd have to get 49, 50 points to effectively stay in the league. So I think, Greg, I think a lot of the concerns, and obviously you're, you're a fan as well as, as obviously a journalist, these concerns are around what could the result be and, and how can we suffer? And I, when I did my piece this week on the BBC, I mentioned about, you know, I look forward to the media outcry in terms of, you know, how the fans, Everton fans shouldn't be punished for the decisions made by the, their owner and board, as we saw, obviously, during the, the Super League times. But I just think that we all feel that if any team is going to suffer, if any fans are going to be made to suffer, it will be us. And that's the major, the major concern, I think, for me and my Everton fans at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an understandable concern as well that it does feel as if um, Everton, if there, if there's a chance, it'll, and maybe it's a little bit of uh, fatalism from us as Blues because there are so many setbacks, but it does feel as if we're ripe to be used as a scapegoat here, um, and until I until I kind of understand more about. Where and look, maybe there'll be signs in in, in the, the full figures when when the accounts are released. So I understand like how the, the Premier League have kind of claimed that there is a breach when there's been such hard work between the club and the league to to avoid that. Then I won't know, you know, how 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 sort of um, outraged to be if that makes sense. But I mean, look, the problem the problem is if we are in breach, I absolutely still agree that. You know, it's it's sod's law that it's us that 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 fall as the example first. But it'll be very difficult to have full sympathy with. I mean, for the, for us as a club and for the supporters, of course not. You know, it is just absolutely typical. But it'll be more, I think, frustration and anger at the people responsible for avoiding this because they've clearly known how fragile the situation was, and it, and if they have somehow allowed it to happen, I'm saying if. Then it'll be hugely negligent, and I think it'll only only add to the dismay. But I think another thing's worth noting is the time frame of this. Now, I don't expect it to take as long as Manchester City's case. Obviously, that's going to be dragged out and out and out. You would imagine with over a hundred alleged breaches, Everton just the one. Now, that doesn't mean that Everton's is cut and dry and dead easy. It, it's still going to be complicated. It'll still involve claim and counterclaim, and it'll still involve some, some lawyers, you know, going through this with a fine tooth comb painstakingly but not knowing how long it'll take is something else that is just going to hang over the club in a period like I said earlier when there's so much uncertainty and it's really really unhelpful yeah I think it you know you make a good point there it still doesn't excuse 
you know, since we have come into money, since machinery's come in, how we how we've effectively been run. You know, it's been a bit wild west. You know, Goodison Park in terms of you know when Cooman came in, the money we were throwing around, the wages we were paying people, the contracts we were giving out. You know, you look back at that now, and it was all you know in hindsight completely negligent. You know, how not to spend money when you come into money. You know, you can see that with Newcastle now. I mean, obviously that you know they're effectively owned by. A sovereign wealth fund. Do you know what I mean? So I mean, effectively, a country. I mean, where 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 do you draw line? Draw the line with that, you know. And I know you said obviously masters has been asked answering questions on that. Well, that's another debate for another day. But they're obviously now a lot more cautious with the way they're spending. But I I just think you know it is it is massively negligent from the people at the club. I know obviously they're under a lot of pressure to resign at the minute. I think. Certain people probably should walk away for the for the good of the club, but that's again another conversation. But it's, it's it's just another thing, like you said, Greg, there to add to the list of several other things that are already going on, and it's it's just basically, like I said, the wild west that is Everton Football Club at the minute, isn't it? Mm, unfortunately, it is. Yeah, and um, like I say, I, ho- I hope for a, a relatively swift resolution to it, but I fear there won't be one. Mm. And I think if we get a, if we get a swift one, as I say, from from a punishment perspective, we can't afford to lose any points this season. If that's if that's the route, if we are found guilty and it goes down that particular road, we can't afford to drop points this season. Absolutely, it almost almost confirms our relegation, doesn't it? So if, if, even if we go from you know three points, five points down, we can't ever are going to be three or five points clear of the relegation zone come come the last day of the season. So that's that's the frightening prospect. So I'm sure. If you know whatever the situation, Everton, I'm sure, will be keen to drag it out beyond the end of the season. If they can get it past the summer, so we can have a transfer window, that would also be be pretty handy. I mean, we're all assuming we're going to be. Well, by the way, we're going to be found guilty, but it's just typical of, of Everton fans, like you say. That's our mindset: is that if anyone is, we are. Um, and there's <laughs> a reason why it's why it's it's being referred. But you mentioned obviously it, this is more fuel to the fire, isn't it? Given given the relationship between fans and board. Um, you know, given what's been going on for the last few months, process is a further process planned before the, the Spurs game on Monday. Um, obviously, we haven't seen the board attend attend the game now for, for for quite a few months. It's just more fuel to the fire for for fans, understandably so, given the the fact that there's there's so many issues that that we have as a fan base with with the the board, with the owner, and and the future beyond this. Like Lee said, then you know he feels that these people should certainly step away. Um, that's how many people will will feel, and and now I think people from outside will now maybe be a little bit more understanding. I'm going to say from outside other fans of why fans have done what they've done in in recent weeks and, and recent months. Well, I mean, there's certainly the, it's hard to argue with any of that, and I think the only thing I'd sort of say just to kind of slightly rewind back to our previous points is thinking thinking on it and this is obviously trying to be optimistic but I am my guess is that if Everton if the, the alleged breach won't be a huge like a blatant glaring massive breach I think it might be a negligible one or a smaller one that's nevertheless the Premier League claim is a breach so therefore um, again I'm, I'm clutching straws a little bit but I don't think a proportion of punishment would be would be point stocked so if, if I had to guess how this all plays out if Everton are found by the committee to have been in breach I'm hoping and thinking that just a little bit of common sense 
would suggest that. And also it would be, obviously, as well, if it was to found and breach the first offence, I'm hoping that a points, uh, a points deduction would be unlikely. But I can understand why people might go, oh, this is Everton, no chance to throw the book at us. But I think just applying a little bit of common sense to it, maybe that would, wouldn't happen. But clearly, you know, as you say as well, Mike, it does. It just adds that malaise around the club and, and perhaps it does, you know, for its worth. Other fans who would question why the, the protest before games and why there's confusion and anger about the club, I think they could understand a little bit more now as um, things like this happen. Well, in the grand scheme of things, I'd agree with that, definitely. Because if you look at it, Everton have tried tried their utmost to try and obviously improve their books. You know, we've essentially had to sell Richarlison on the last day of July, probably lower than market value, you know, just to Spurs to use that to their advantage in terms of negotiating, you know, to essentially get one of our best players out the door. You know, and we've, we've, we've managed to get a lot of other players who were on high wages, your Delphi, your people like that, you know, all off the books as well. Um, you know, and we've barely signed anybody in, in, in the windows. The only one we've signed of any sort of amount, you'd say, is, is obviously Onana, where, you know, we've got him on obviously a Klarna deal over five years, six years, isn't it? You know what I mean? So I think if, if, if anything, Everton have done what they can. You know, even in the Benitez summer transfer window, it was, you know, what was it? One and a half, two million quid they spent. The January window just gone. We've sold one of our young players for 40 million. By all accounts, most of yeah. that money up front and we've not signed anybody. So Everton, you know, if you're looking at the books and certainly this financial year we're in now, that will be taken into consideration as well. You know, what are Everton doing now to try and improve that situation? Well, what they're clearly doing is over the last few transfer windows, we've clearly made a profit, you know, unlike pretty much every other club in the league. You know, we've sold Richarlison, we've sold uh, Lucas Dean, we've sold um, Anthony Gordon. Well, there's £130 million worth of players there just in those three. Never mind some of the other, you know, some of the other players who sold around the periphery of the squad. But I think I agree with you, Greg. I mean, common sense should prevail here, and they go, look, what are Everton trying to do to fix this? They're trying to improve their books. You know, you look at other things like I said before, the way Newcastle's ownership is. You look at how United are heavily debted. I think they're what seven hundred million pound in debt. You know, a lot of other clubs are in debt as well. Spurs as well are included in that. So you know, we're clearly not the only club in the league that, uh, you know, you'd say, you know, not in a really sort of financial difficult situation. Absolutely. Let's hope common sense in that respect. It does prevail if, if Everton are found to have been in breach. Mm. Totally agree. And hopefully, as you say, common sense is the approach. Uh, but we understand, we're in it ourselves. We understand, obviously, the, the feeling around things. But let's see how it plays out. A counter out this week, of course. Um, so we'll get a little bit, little bit more information then. Um, but, you know, it's not going to be a, a quick a quick process. That's for sure. We, we wouldn't have thought. So want to keep our eye on. That's for sure. But Greg, I know you've got to get off. We, we appreciate you spending a bit of time with us talking, talking through that and, uh, and giving your thoughts on, on all things Everton. Thanks, lads. It's a pleasure. And we're going to take a, a short break before me and Lee come back to discuss the uh, upcoming game against Spurs on Monday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see... We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast. 
And next game coming up, uh, obviously, international break is now officially over. It looks like all Everton players came back un, uh, unharmed, which is, is always positive. I know Seamus Common had a little bit of a niggle, but he did play against France and played, played particularly well, actually, against, against Kylian Mbappe. But all players seem to have returned without any kind of notable injuries, which is, is a positive. We've got a couple of extra days rest as well, given the fact that we're playing we're playing Monday night. And Lee, it's it's Spurs. We welcome to Goodison Park under the lights, Monday night football. Change of manager. Obviously, uh Antonio Conte's outburst post Southampton, wasn't it? Uh, didn't go down too well. I think he was always pushing for for the exit, to be honest with you. It's it's what he what he does. Um Spurs throwing away obviously a three-one lead there. And the the job for the for the short term. On an Instagram basis, has been given to to effectively his his former his former assistants, isn't it? Um, Christian Stellini has got the job, done the job in his absence. Actually, when when Conte obviously had an operation um, and he was out of action for a few weeks, and and then Stellini took over the the reins then for a short period of time. So we had a conversation me and you yesterday around this, and it's not as if to bring in. A brand new manager. You know, I imagine if they draw Pochettino back or so, you know, something like that to give them that that sort of bounce, that new manager bounce. They, they've worked with this 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 uh, this manager for a couple of years now, so we're we're not sort of in the situation where I'm concerned about a new manager bounce. I don't know about you. Yeah, before we go on that, I do love a Conte rant, though, don't you? I, 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 I absolutely, I absolutely love him. That that rant he's done, the most recent one, will go down in Premier League history. That one, yeah. You know I mean, he just, oh, yeah, he just yeah. doesn't, he just doesn't hold back, does he? You know, he's criticizing the players for not having any bottle. He was criticizing Levy, saying this club will always be the same while he's been here. They'll never win anything. He's just absolutely brilliant, isn't he? Um, he's 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 absolute gold. Um, and he, he didn't hold back as a player when he was a player, if you remember as well. Um, but no, yeah, you're right. It was only a matter of time before it became untenable. His position, he's now moved on. His assistant's now taken over the role, which is a bit of a surprise. I agree with you. I think I said the same to you yesterday, that if Potts was coming in, and that seems to be the rumour, he may come in in the summer now. He obviously knows the club. He's loved by the fans. You know, he turned Tottenham, let's be honest, into a much better side when he was there. They got to a Champions League final. They were unlucky not to win win something as well, really. Um so, you know, if he was coming in now, I think the whole club would have a massive lift. Um, I think Conte, as much as, you know, he, he's, a, he's a manager that's liked because of his antics and the way he is on the touchline and he's, he's clearly an emotional character. I think Spurs fans were becoming more and more drained with the way the style of football that he plays. Very pragmatic, you know, um, especially with the, when you consider the talent they've got going forward in that team. You know, and obviously their their main rivals, Arsenal, are having you know season of dreams at the minute, aren't they? And Arteta, so that's obviously probably you know made the situation ten times worse. So yeah, in answer to your question, him coming in, um, hopefully you'd like to think it's a good time to play Spurs after an international break. Obviously, a lot of their players will have gone away, you know, all over the world as well. You know, from the, from Son going east, from from obviously the South American players that they've got as well. Um, I think I'm, I'm just praying to God Richarlison isn't fit. I know he played, he, he pulled out the Brazil squad, didn't he? So, you know, the last thing we'd want is Richarlison playing against us at Goodison Park. Uh, we we know how the script goes if that happens. Um, but yeah, no, no, it's, it's it's an interesting game. You know, Goodison under the lights, Monday Night Football. Um, our record against them is really indifferent. We've had some cracking games against them, but um, 
they've always seemed to add the edge on us, haven't they, over the years? Um, so, you know, let's just say we're due a win. We're due a win against them, I think. We are. I mean, obviously, we we need a win as well, given obviously where we are in the table. The fact we've <coughs> excuse me played a couple more games in some sides, one more than others, and you know, looking looking at, at Spurs and their injury concerns. You, you mentioned Eric Charlison. He's he's fifty fifty, I think, to make to make the game. Uh, Perisic is fifty fifty. Lloris, obviously, he's been out for a little while, hasn't he? Replaced by by Fraser Forster. He's fifty fifty. Sessegnon. A little bit further away. Obviously, Benson calls out thing for the season. Emerson Royale confirmed he's got six weeks out. He, he was injured uh, during the international break. Ben Davis is out as well. So they've got, they've got a few concerns there, Spurs. Uh, and like you say, international week there's been quite a bit of travelling, especially for some of the the uh, the, the more high profile players for Spurs. Should should we say? And you know, it's one of those games where you know Spurs obviously the fighting at the at the the top end of the table the in and around Champions League positions, change the minds here on the back of the fact that the, you know, one is out base, but you know, not in not in scintillating form, that's for sure. Um, so I think it's a game that we can certainly approach without any kind of any kind of fear. And whether it's a good or bad thing, obviously all the sides in and around us will have played before we do on Monday, with us being the the last game of the weekend. Now that can work in your favour, dependence on how other sides get on. It can also work against you as well if other sides put the put the pressure on and, and you find yourselves dropping down, dropping down the table. But there's a busy week next week. Obviously, there's games Tuesday and Wednesday, which involves sides in and around Everton who've got games in hand. So it's going to be a pivotal week, to be honest with you. And it should give us a, a bit more of a um basically a, a better look of things um in terms of the table and, and teams playing the same number of games. But it's, it's as I say, going back to, to the Spurs game, you know, they've got quality regardless. You know, obviously you've got Harry Kane, who, who's just become the England's all-time leading goal scorer. Dangerous on, you know, any day of the week. We know, obviously, the qualities of Son. I'm sure that he'll get a lot of stick. He has done ever since the Deontay Gomez injury. Um, but they are, as I say, they are missing players as well. And Everton have got to, have got to pull on the fact that, you know, we're, we're doing OK under Sean Dyche. Goodison Park has become a difficult place for opposition sides to play football once again, I feel. Um, Everton have, have obviously last game got, got a great draw against Chelsea away. We've beaten Arsenal re- recently. We've beaten a good Brentford side recently. So there's no, there should be no fear. Should, should be no fear. And like I say, the fact that we've got players look, luckily coming back by all accounts without any kind of injury issues. Everton have, have got a really, really decent chance there of picking up points. And it's certainly a game... When, when we're looking at fixtures remaining, um, looking at where Everton can pick up points, this is one, probably I certainly earmarked, uh, as much as I try to avoid looking, looking too far ahead, I earmarked as, as one that we can most we can most definitely win. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, like I said, it's a, good, it's a good time to play Spurs losing, obviously, their manager, um, and also the fact that, like I said, so many of their squad play all over the world as well. I mean, look, it doesn't guarantee you guarantee the win. Of course, it doesn't. They're still, like you said, they're still full of quality. They're likely going to going to have a front three of obviously Kane through the middle, Son off the left, and Kulisewski off the right. Who's I really like as a footballer. He's done really well since he's come in there. Uh, no, Benton Kerr in midfield, a massive bonus because I think he he was having a very good season for them. Um, you know, fantastic all round player. He played very well in the game when we lost at their place, didn't he? In that game um, as well. So. 
Yeah, they are. They are. They are there to be beaten. And I think, you know, you said the key is now with these games in hand. Obviously, we've played a game more than a lot of the teams around us, and we've played two more than West Ham as well, haven't we? So, you know, nabbing a win here at Goodison on Monday could be absolutely vital. Um, I know, obviously, Dice will always tell you, look, forget about the table now. It's about the table at the end of the season. That's right. But you know, players, anyone, anyone, us as fans, we're all going to be looking at the table, and it does have a mental impact. You know, Palace have now been dragged into it. They've just pulled Roy Hodgson out of his retirement for the umpteenth time. What is he now, 84 or something like that? You know what I mean? So, so they're clearly clutching at straws. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that could be a good thing for us, him coming in. I know he obviously will try and, he'll try and grind out some points, but, you know, who did he come in last season? Where did he go last season? Um, Watford. Yeah, Watford. Obviously, he took them down eventually. So, mm. Let, let, let's see, let's see, let's see how that plays out because Palace, weirdly, they haven't won a game before uh, since we've come back after the World Cup yet. They've somehow miraculous, miraculously stayed around 12th, haven't they? Um, which, is, which, is, which shows you that all the teams below them have sort of been beating each other or, you know, winning games and losing games and things like that. So, you know, Palace downwards now, it, it's, it's a crazy season, isn't it? You know, we could end up going into the last maybe game or two, last two games of the season with potentially seven teams that could go down. It's absolutely nuts when you think about it. Um, you don't want to be in that position. Of course you don't. You know, we, we'd rather make sure you, if we can pull two wins together out of nowhere or possibly even three, which would be dreamland, I think you can pretty much confirm your safety just by having a few runs on the trot, uh, a few games on the trot, sorry. So, you know, if we can if we can get a win here against Spurs, you know, we know the home games are vital. We know that Goodison plays a big factor. The fans have been brilliant since Dice have come in. Has come in. We had, like you said, had a great win against a, you know, an informed Brentford side, and deserved to win that game as well. So it's massive, Mike. It's a massive game. You know, if we can just nab those three points, it'll just make so much difference to the the confidence of the team because then you've won two on the bounce. Um, no, sorry, because we, obviously we drew with Chelsea. But you know what I mean? We, we'll, we'll then sort of, what is that? would be four games and beaten then. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a massive game, this. Um, and, and like I said, psychologically, if anything else. You're right. And, and psychologically, I think that that's the most important thing at this, this stage of the season as well, is the mental aspect of it. And picking up points and pulling away from the drop zone, giving yourself a bit of breathing space is one of those things that can certainly, certainly improve that, that element. Uh, I mean, obviously, for Crystal Palace, they are getting sucked in. But you look at their next run of fixtures, you know, you've got less of the weekend than Leeds, Southampton, Buzz, Wolves, West Ham. And he's still got Bournemouth and, and Forest to play before the end of the season. So they've got a lot of sides down there. So I expect Palace to pull away. And to be honest, I would rather Palace beat Leicester this weekend, to be fair. Palace are above us anyway. Keep Leicester down there, you're, you're below us. That'll be, that'll be a, better, a better situation, in, in my opinion. Um, but you know, we, we've got to play, you know, as much as we haven't got to play as many sides down there, we've still got to play Palace, we've still got to play Wolves, we've still got to play Bournemouth last game of the season. There's still games that we've got against sides in and around where we are. But you hope that over the next few weeks, what, what is it, Tottenham uh, on Monday, away to United, obviously, we've then got Fulham at Goodison Park, Newcastle coming up at Goodison Park as well. You know, you'd hope in the next sort of three or four games, if we can pick up sort of six, seven points, if not more, that puts you into a semi-decent position. It really does. You know, as I say, I said this last season, we had this conversation. 
when when Everton were in the drop zone, but we had two games in hand on sides like Islanders. I was still saying, listen, points on the board means a lot more than games in hand than it does because you can't take those points away. Um, and you know, but you can you can lose games at hand, and that's the really the really key thing for me. We've got it. We've got it now. We want to try and avoid you know the the last sort of couple of games. We want to try and avoid being in a situation where we need to be picking up major points. You know, okay, maybe one or two, but we don't want to be needing sort of four to six points in the last two games to be to be ensure and safety. And this is a game where we can certainly we can certainly ensure that we pick something up. As I say, Spurs are top four, but they've got Newcastle and Liverpool with games in hand, hot on the tail at this moment in time. So, you know, it's certainly not they're not assured of being in the top top four position. Are they going to start to feel the pressure? All depends obviously what happens before they play us, of course. But I don't I don't approach the game with any kind of fear, that's for sure. And Evan have got to believe that they can they can win the game. Um but always difficult. We know it is. We know it is against against these top sides and and Spurs have, have qualified for the Champions League football numerous times in recent years, and there's a reason why um, we've got players that can hurt us. But we've got, we've shown we've got the stomach for the fight. We've got players who can battle for this team, and and you know I believe there's enough characters in our side who who basically will will fight and do whatever they can to to keep us in the Premier League. But it's going to be it's going to be white hot, I think, on on Monday night. We mentioned obviously uh, that the protest before the game, of course. I feel that they're going to be ramped up, understandably so. Um, obviously, under the lights is always always a good atmosphere at Goodison Park. The sirens are back, of course, so we, we've all we all call for them to come back, and they're, they're a great addition to to Goodison Park once again. Son is back in town, as I mentioned earlier on. You know, people don't forget what happened with Andre Gomez, uh, so we'll be getting a little bit of stick. So I just hope, I just hope that. We do put a performance in, and we, and we do show that we we can fight and and keep this this side in the Premier League. Um, but let's have your prediction. What what are you thinking, Lee? Do you think that we can we can beat uh, beat Spurs under the the new Instagram manager? Well, like I said, I mean a lot of things are going in our favour. We've we've just gone over them. You know, number of players they've got out, the change of manager for them, um, the timing of the fixtures just after the international break. Um, so there's a lot of things there that you'd say that are positives. We've still got to go out and put in a performance. Let's not forget that. You know, at home recently, we've started quickly. You know, we've put teams under pressure. Um, like anything, we just need to be able to get that goal, don't we? Get that first goal. If we do get the first goal and, you know, a night game at Goodison, you'd like to fancy us after that. You know, uh, Spurs have just got that so much quality going for. We've we've got to try and keep Harry Kane quiet. He has destroyed us in a few games in the past. The guy doesn't need even half a chance, you know, to, to score a goal. So I, I just I just think the optimism, the optimistic side of me, thinks I think we'll nick it, mate. I, I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say two one Everton. I think Spurs will score, but I just think you know everything on the line. Night game at Goodison. You know, we've we've had a half decent little run of of of, of results recently. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say two one. I I mean, I love I love your optimism, and and you know, I, I do think that we can we can certainly do damage to some of these sides and certainly pick up three points. I think I think it might be a draw. I'm sad I'm with one all, but it it could. I think if it's going to be one, it'll be nicked by by a goal either way. Um, 
I just think I just think that they are a difficult side Spurs. As I say, I don't think it's it's quite as bad as, as them having a brand new manager again. Uh, they've worked with the, with this gentleman obviously for, for for quite a while, well over twelve months. You know, it'd be brought in Conte when we uh, we were his first game, weren't we? Go to some park. Uh, when Benitez was still there, so he's been in charge. He's been there for sort of eighteen months, not not quite two years, but they know his methods. I'm sure he's had responsibility in some way, shape, or form around tactics already. Whether it gives him a little bit more freedom, because I know some of the players said they, they felt a little bit hampered under under Conte's tactics. I don't know. It's all guesswork, but I think we'll get something from the game. Um, I really do. I think I think one or two, but. I'll sort of caveat that with uh, that it, it could be won by either side by probably a goal either way, to be honest. But looking forward to it, looking forward to getting back to Goodison Park, uh, looking forward to Premier, Premier League football being back. Um, international breaks are always a little bit of a a bit of a drag, but it's been a good a good bit of rest for certain players as well. You know, we, we although we've had a few players go away, but we've seen a few players on holiday. Obviously, they've done a bit of training, they'll be back in, of course, now. Uh, so it's been it'd be good for them to, to just break away from the the pressures of this this relegation battle and then hopefully refocus for for Monday night. But that's us that's us for for this week's show. Uh, we'll be back next week at some point to look back at the Spurs game, obviously with it being a, a Monday night, uh, and then to, to look ahead to the to the trip, difficult trip to to Old Trafford to face Manchester United. So we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.